Hello, my name is Lizzie Palmer and this is another episode of Lunar Poetry Shorts and today I'm joined by Alexander Woodward. Hello. Oh, hello. How are you? Yeah, not bad, how's you? Good, I'm not too bad either, thanks. Hurrah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, by way of introduction, um, as we always do, we'll start with a poem, please. Okay. This poem is called Should I Have a Daughter? Should I have a daughter? That's not a question, it's a pause for thought. You see, I wonder what I ought to tell her. First thing, I suppose, is that she shouldn't back down when she's right just because somebody yells at her. Equally, though, she should know to apologise when she's wrong. It's not that nice, but it doesn't take too long, and then, when she's done, she can go back to being friends with whomever she made amends. Second thing is that she can believe what she likes, but has to be able to justify her thoughts, for I will challenge her. No daughter of mine is going to be a knee-jerk of any sort. Nobody likes a bigot, so I shall disconnect from the plumbing that particular spigot, um, which is a posh word for tap. Good. Third is a thing at which I myself am crap. It's a good lesson, though I've barely learnt it. You only get the reward if you've sweated and toiled and bloody well earned it. To do well, to aim high, one has to grit one's teeth and really fucking try. But if trying's not enough and she still fails, then I'll be there with a consoling word and a lovely, lovely ale, which she can drink by the pint. My pale, hairy ass will that be thought of as being unladylike. Four. I hope I can give her the space she needs, but if she calls me, I'll storm on in, a knight in shining tweed. Zeus help who ever leaves her in tears for a day or a year, or dares to forget her, for I will give them such a vicious handwritten letter, and I'll charge the bastard for the postage. But what I want for her most is that she will be interesting, for the interesting will inherit the world, and then they'll go, oh, thank you. Oh, that will come in handy. Oh, look. And then she'll go back to her book, for my daughter will read and she will like it. And that's not a threat, it's a prediction. You see, in my family, reading is, is an inbuilt predilection, a source of affection. And she'll read in Latin, I hope, so we can talk about life in a dead tongue and I can share the ancient's wisdom on how to cope. It's my hope that this list, although parts of it were written half-pissed, will be sufficient preparation. I want for as long as possible to save her from the realisation that Daddy doesn't know everything. He's just as scared and confused as the rest of the world. But he'll try. And that's a promise to you, my as yet completely hypothetical little girl. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Um, right. So my first question mm -hmm. is why poetry? <sighs> Yeah, um, two-strand attack on this one. Um, I've loved poetry for um, ever because uh, I've got an older brother and a younger sister. There's five years between them. Um, so when we were small, um, finding something for mum to read us at bedtime was hard because there's not going to be something that'll cap story-wise that'll capture everyone's attention, mm. and you can't get through enough of a a book in any one sitting to avoid tedium so mum read us poetry um, a lot of Edward Lear and uh, the Hilda Boswell children's collection of verse and things like that 
um, as far as doing it, uh, it came about accidentally because I wanted to be a comedian. I wrote a sketch in school and then when I went to university I swapped to stand-up um, and the poetry just accidentally happened because I couldn't sleep one night and I thought, sod it, I'll try writing a sonnet, see if I can and kept that up for a few years um, just for me because uh, I enjoyed the process and then I made the mistake of um, accidentally memorising it to, and re reciting one while hammered in someone's front room and they said, oh, this is brilliant, you've got to do it and so I slowly kept doing it because it seems to be going quite well. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, um, I really like that question because mm. while it seems a bit simplistic maybe, everyone's answers so far have been totally different mm. and it's, it's really interesting for me to find out. Well, that's what we're here for, isn't it? <laughs> interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so since you have been writing, mm -hmm. um, what have been the main influences over your development as a writer? Uh, well, there's a fair amount of Latin uh, poetry in it because I'm uh, my degree was in classics, so mm. you read enough of something, it sticks in your head. So I, uh, there's a if you know what you're looking for, I'm told there's a fair amount of Horace and Ovid in in certainly my imagery and my structure. I'm told. Um, Apart from that, it's um, there's a there's a fair amount of stagecraft from the comedy and from a from acting in trying to get an arc um, because I with my background I wrote specifically with speaking it to an audience in mind. That's mm. what I write, so that's how it came out. And so, if you're doing that, you need to. Um, the ideas come up, come like jokes. You start with a funny bit, the bit in your head, and then you have to track back until you get to a point where the audience can get on board with you, and then you can follow it to to a decent conclusion. And um, so there's, as far as the writing itself goes, it's um, it's still it's identical in process to trying to write stand up comedy. Um, it's just what comes out is is a little different. Yeah. Uh, Great. Um, well, now we'll have a second poem, please. That's okay. Lovely. Uh, do you want? I think I'll do the. I'll do a love poem. Um, love poems are great. They're like the little black dress of, <laughs> of literature. They never go out of style, and everyone's always surprised that I've got a lot of them. <laughs> um, this one is called. Yeah, I'll do this one. This one is called Why Can't I Sleep? Why can't I sleep? Is it hastily scrawled emails hanging Damoclean above my pillow, waiting for a reply and free from light stringy restraint to plunge? Is it thoughts of unwon kudos cavorting in orcish glee and jabbing me with gouging pikes of self-doubt? Do mind and soul rush down untrod roads, hoping to catch a glimpse of some unknown, unseeable monument to my greatness? No. So, <laughs> why can't I sodding well sleep? Why do thoughts spin and make me nauseous? Why am I plagued by thoughts of one met but barely met? 
known but unfamiliar. It's also similar to angsty dross, so in need of exercising, of recognising it for what shit it is. Fiction. Fantasy. Guff. You don't love her. Because you don't know her, that's why. You've hardly met. And yet... And yet it is an intriguing thought, one which one ought to dismiss as idle fancy. But, if you act, she might accept or at least not laugh full derisive in your face. Mark this place and seek her face to ask, to test, to see. What that face does to me. It's a buzz, you see, a joy for me. One quick smile and this boy is floored by she who hoards my dreams and keeps them. <sighs> Let her keep them. Or we could share them, be a pair then, and all content lie back and stare ten hours at stars and lights and at each other's eyes and talk of all the things we ought to have done but didn't. We didn't. Because I wouldn't. Not if I had the time with you. I couldn't. I'd be ensnared and scared to tread on this joyous bubble and be befuddled when it takes my weight and takes on shape and becomes reality. That... that would be really quite okay for me. But for now, I dream. But still don't sleep. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so you touched a little bit on... Um how you structure your work mm -hmm. um, maybe you could tell us a bit more about your actual writing process <laughs> that's a very if grandiose <laughs> title for what a process um, it involves uh, chocolate digestives dressing gowns and uh, <laughs> the kitchen really um, writing's a thing that happens when I'm sober at two o'clock in the morning um, you know ideas occur and I let them wander and occasionally uh, my brain will stumble across either it's often a single line um, that oh that's there's something pleasing about it. either I like the concept or it's rhythmically pleasing or or it's a line that sparks something and you know I forget half of them mm. and then half of them that I do remember uh, never make it to anything and about uh, I know it works out a couple of times a week I've got an evening or a weekend I'll sit with my massive stack of post-it notes and, and half-written memos on my phone and see if I can recreate the thought and if I can then I you know, apply the structure of starting in the middle and working mm. either side um, bit of a hard question really because the word process mm. I suppose implies a very definite set way of something happening and mm -hmm. it's obviously not really like that no. ever <laughs> I don't think would for that, most people would that it were uh, <laughs> I might change that question mm. um, so <laughs> how long have you been performing your poetry um, and what impact if any has this had on your writing have you noticed that the actual performing of it has made you want to change it or um, that's two questions really in yeah. one <laughs> um, I've been apart from what three gigs in uh, while I was at university just oh there's a thing going I'll, I'm, I'll try some poetry because I'm if I was bored with my t material but um, properly performing October 
yeah I, I hadn't been on stage for a couple of months which was weird so I, and I didn't have any stand-up uh, that I was happy with but I did have at that point about 20 minutes of my verse memorized so I just stuck um, spoken word open mic night in, into a search engine and went to the first one mm. that uh, seemed like it was still active and it's been going well um, as for has it the act of me performing hasn't changed because as, as I said I write with um, speaking to an audience in mind naturally what has changed it is seeing because you're at a gig you unless you're a complete tool you stick around and watch other people uh, listen to other other words and that's changed because it uh, it shows what the well-trod ground is so I just you know if everyone and his dog is doing a, a fuck the Tories poem to take an example out of thin air I've got to uh, I'm tempted to okay I'll leave that and write something else so it's made me focus a little more on the slightly stranger ideas as opposed to you know the first one I ever wrote that sonnet I, I mentioned it uh, uh, during the insomnia it was a lovely little thing it rhymes quite well but it's just ah she's got very pretty eyes <laughs> um, we all start that but so it's the seeing how other people approach it mm. is uh, as, as has been the big effect yeah. I think um, do you find the experience differs very much between performing your poetry uh, and acting or doing stand up comedy um, in terms of performance yeah uh, I think a your standard comedy audience can be as uh, has every chance of being as welcoming and engaging and supportive as your standard poetry audience but um, comedy is steeped in uh, irony and cynicism mm. in in this country certainly um, other scenes vary it's the ability to be earnest and the fact that a poetry audience won't shy away from this is how I actually feel about a subject that as that is the big difference um, and is why I keep coming back because maintaining cynicism again just to write is exhausting whereas with uh, thinking of myself as a spoken word type I can still do jokes between poems I can still uh, do things like playing with how I present myself to the audience and, and the gaze and talking to the front row. It's um, the thing that is wonderful is uh, be enthusiastic or, and slightly vulnerable and uh, genuine. I think is is what I I like about it. You get a lot of genuineness, genuine, genuine. Genu being genuine, genuosity, <laughs> um, filtered through this lovely artistic fiction, and 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 that is purely selfish reasons. It, it I prefer it because it's much easier than trying to 
get my therapy through the comedy. Yeah. Um, well, we'll have a third and final poem, please. Okay. Um, what was it? I'll do this one. I'll do a. My poetry comes into three categories miscellaneous, depression, and love. So I'll round it off with this one, which I think it's called On Humanity. I don't much like the title, but I can't think of a better one. So we'll call it On Humanity. Sometimes I feel numb which shouldn't make sense because numbness is an absence of feeling except that the numbness has got so bad that it starts to burn does anyone else get that no all right um do you ever do you ever like really fucking want to put your fist through a table you don't not because you're not able but in case some shocked person cries out that's mahogany the agony of your personal odyssey isn't anything new. Don't you forget, you're not the first to get the hull of your trireme wet. A thousand generations or more since ancient times have left their native shores and set sail for distant climes. A thousand generations from a myriad of nations have braved these seas before you learnt how to breathe. Despite the odds set against them, your ancestors squared their shoulders, set their feet and met them. They sailed through the crashing boulders and crossed the raucous seas. They reached the Caucasus and retrieved the golden fleece. You are the successful result of billions of years of evolution, and with every revolution of the wheel of fate, your ancestors grit their teeth and set a faster pace. No other species has sent one of their own into outer space. Now. We share 97% of our DNA with chimpanzees, and we have fucking crosswords, and, uh, and blackberry jam, and artistic jamborees, while nice as they are, they're naked and live in trees. The ease with which we put ourselves down has always struck me as strange since the bricks of our molecular arrangements were forged in stars. You are the dust of stars, so you really must start trying to get some perspective. Do some good. Write some ringing invective. Just make sure the world's a better place by the time you leave. Because, sir and madam, I believe we are not the fallen descendants of Adam and of Eve. No, we are risen apes. And if that thought ever escapes you and you begin to hate your life or regret it or rue it, forget all else save this. You're human. And humans are great. So I'm sure you'll get through it. Thank you. Welcome. Fucking crosswords. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so final two questions. Okay. The first of which is how would you like to see your writing progress? Um, I'd like to, because I think I think I I do what I do quite well, you know, internal rhymes, showing off my education. I'm good at that, I, but I don't want it to be get to a stage where I do that just because that's what I do. I need to try fuck about with form or subject matter or things to uh, A, see if I can do those and if I like those but B, just to make certain that uh, there's genuine active artistic intent behind things and it's not just yeah, fuck it, that'll do, pup um, 
he said, this is an audio thing, I mimed writing negligently. Uh, for those of you keeping watch at home. Um, and the other thing is I, I think I need uh, a little more discipline with my stagecraft. Um, having these memorised chunks to, as big anchors helps for uh, the flow between uh, poems um, and the meticulously scripted um, off-the-cuff remarks that I open and close with. I need to... They're as much a part of my set as anything else, and I need to give them a little more time and dedication, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, so, have you got any recommendations for our listeners? And this doesn't have to be specifically regarding poetry, uh, anything they can go and see, read, or watch that you've recently um, experienced. Lucretius's De Rerum Natura, um, which I think the Penguin translation is quite good if you need notes to help you. Uh, it's called On the Nature of the Universe, I think, or, or of everything. It's um, about 8,000 lines of Latin epic hexameter uh, trying to explain um, Epicurean philosophy, uh, which is um, atomist. Uh, basically atheistic I'll accept the the angry th calls from uh, Greek philosophers later basically atheistic and uh, it's concerned not about justice or goodness about how to be happy how to lessen suffering and it's so it's a wonderful philosophy written in very good poetry uh, that's number one children's poetry I think doesn't get enough look in these days because certainly how I started, and I, I assume it's how m most people, it's either that sort of thing or rap it seems to be, so take some time, reread things you loved when you were a child. Um, I teach a class of eight-year-olds and last half term we were doing The Popple Who Had No Toes, The Jabberwocky, uh, The Jumblies, you know, they went to see and if they did and if they went to see, um, and I forgot quite how much. Um, that is why I love poetry, so re rediscover things you yeah, you thought you, you'd you forgotten. Oh, and just, uh, I have no idea um, how big his reputation is, but there's a wonderful Canadian called Shane Coyzen, uh, K-O-Y-C-Z-A-N, who, um, if I need to cry, I go listen to him. Uh, most beautiful stuff going with some wonderfully silly jokes in it as well. So there's three to be getting on with. <laughs> Great, thank you very much. And that's it. Uh, so thank you, Alexander Woodward. Totally okay. Uh, I've been Lizzie Palmer, and thank you for listening.